Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you today? I'm doing okay. Um, so we're we're continuing in Indonesia this time, and I wanted to start by asking you how this compared to the last one because I found this to be one of the best sections of the whole book. Actually, I have like fifty percent more notes than I normally take, and this is the most bookmarked section I've had. Um, I enjoyed it more. I loved the friendships that she created. I liked that it wasn't a travelogue. Mm-hmm. I I liked. Um, well, as we'll get into it, we'll talk about it more. But I really felt the interpersonal connections that were happening. Yeah, and I think that that was that was missing in a, a lot of the book for me up until this point. And so I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and I think I mentioned in the last one, when I was going through my stuff, it was very much like, okay, first, let me figure out myself, and then let's start to interact with people, right? right. Um, yeah, so we start chapter 85, she gets hit by a bus. It's like, yeah. that's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> but I think that's part of the whole Asian experience, as you can speak to for your own travel, from your own travel. I never travel. got hit by a bus, but yeah, Nobody. definitely like motor, motor, vehicle. <laughs> Motor vehicle injuries uh, seem to be common among myself and other travelers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she, so then Ketut tells her to go see a doctor. She ends up meeting Wyan Nuriyasi, um, who's a different Balinese healer, who then she starts um, this, this journey with Wyan. And uh, so she meets her and, and she gets kind of interrogated. Are you sure you've never been married? And so she realizes, oh, and sh- uh, she ends up commiserating with this, with this Balinese lady who has been divorced as well, which is just unheard of in Bali. Right. And if I can just uh, add that she was so afraid of telling her that she had been divorced because divorce is frowned upon so intensely in Bali. So the fact that they could connect on that, on that was very special. Right. And then this is what we alluded to in the earlier episode about how Wyan's story really shows you the bad side of a culture like this. And right. So like, you know, quote, when it works, she says it works well for some people, but for the person it, that doesn't fit into the mold, they're mm-hmm. totally outcast, right? So she had an abusive husband that she got sent to the hospital. And because of the tradition, because of these values that uh, this culture and unfortunately many cultures have, like she's the outcast, right? He's still safe in his family and like there's not well, an opportunity for her. I mean, and it's also part of the culture is that when a woman gets married, she leaves her her birth family to go live with the with the husband's family so once she left him she really had nowhere to go because she couldn't go back to her birth family right so that, I think that's a big part of the outcast piece I don't believe she was an outcast in the typical sense of it that um, you know her business was still thriving she had a lot of people who were coming to her so she wasn't an outcast that way she was respected for what she did. She just was an right. outcast. She had nowhere to call home. She had nowhere to ground herself. So right. she was moving a lot. She, you know, all she dreamed about was having somewhere. Her daughter was going to different schools all the time. 
Um, I loved her daughter. I love yeah, her daughter. And so that's we also meet Tiki, <clears throat> who's yeah. her daughter who wants to be a veterinarian and is very outspoken and very out there. So we also get to meet her. And we have a little exposure to these other two um, children that we, right. we don't yet, uh, at, in this chapter, we don't yet know. Right. Um, yeah, so we also meet Tuti, who's uh, very nice. Um, and then <laughs> I basically had like a big section called out where I found the next few chapters really valuable, really important. I have a lot of notes. Um, but it starts with uh, YN telling her um, that she can tell from her knees that she's not been having enough sex or hasn't had very much sex, which is interesting. And, and YN says, you need a good man, I will find one for you, um, which kind of sets up where we then end up getting to in, in some of the other parts. But for me, um, you know, chapter 87, um, now my days are divided into natural thirds. Right. I spent, um, I've been here only a few weeks. So that also highlights how the whole like first third of this section was just kind of preamble, like it often is. And so we're, we're at chapter 87 and we're not even a month into or four months into Indonesia. Um, but I feel a rather mission to accomplish, accomplished sensation already. The task in Indonesia was to search for balance, but I don't feel like I'm searching for anything anymore because the balance has somehow naturally come into place. Mm -hmm. um, I can feel my own peace. I love the swing of my days between easeful devotional practices and the pleasures of a beautiful landscape, dear friends and good food. I have never felt less burdened by myself or by the world. So it's already like so powerful, like she's got this state um, and like, um, and it, I just wrote down like blissful. It seems so blissful to me, this, this state she's managed to reach. Um, and, you know, what I really want to call out is this, this, like, I almost want to read this whole chapter, but I keep remembering one of my guru's teachings about happiness. She says that people tend to think happiness is a stroke of luck that it will des descend upon you like fine weather if you're fortunate enough. But that's not how it works. Happiness is the consequence of personal effort. You fight for it, strive for it, insist upon it, and sometimes even travel around the world looking for it. You have to participate relentlessly in the manifestations of your own blessings. And once you have achieved a state of happiness, you must never become lax about maintaining it. You must make a mighty effort to keep swimming upward into that happiness forever to stay afloat on top of it. It's um, and, and so like that is the message for me, right? Like that is what she worked to do. That's what I've worked to do. That's what everyone has to understand. Um, and I think it's so good. She insists upon it. It's personal effort. She calls it diligent joy. Uh, right. which I like the term diligent joy. And so to me, it's like so powerful um, that she captures this, that she understands this and she can communicate it so well that she's in this place of bliss, never having felt less burdened by herself or by the world. And she recognizes, well, I, I earned this. I, I fought for it. It wasn't, oh, I happened. Not to just that, it. but I deserve it. Right. She realizes she deserves it. And, you know, I made notes of the same, the exact same part. Um, 
And but before she even got into that, she said, she said, now my prayers are expressions of sheer gratitude for the fullness of my contentment. And she goes on to say, it's easy enough to pray when you're in distress, but continuing to pray, even when your crisis has passed, is like sealing the process, helping your soul to hold tight to its good attainments. And that's one of the things that I think that we tend to do. We tend to ask for things or pray or look for solutions when we're in distress. And when you can look for it and be grateful every day for what you have, that's where you stay afloat, right? Like that to, to you know, speak to what she spoke about the swimming piece. <clears throat> it's really important. Um, and this resonated so much with me because as I started doing my gratitude journals, I found that sometimes I was just grateful for the most simplistic things. And right. my happiness came from the most simplistic things. And, you know, sometimes I thought how at the beginning, like I need to have these complicated gratitudes. Mm -hmm. I need to have these complicated prayers. I have need to have these complicated meditations. But now I choose not to. I realize that it's a choice, right? And that's the thing. Happiness is a choice. Yeah. How, we, how we can attain it is hard work. It is hard work to mm -hmm. get there, but it's a choice that we make to maintain it once we get it. Right. And <clears throat> I, one thing I want to highlight is, so you, you, you added that it's not just that she knows she earned it, that she knows she deserves it. Right. And I put forward that those are two sides of the same thing. She knows she deserves it because she earned it, because she worked for it. You Absolutely. can't have one without the other. You earn it by deserving it and you deserve it by earning it. Absolutely. By, by working and saying, I am worthy of this and I'm going to work for it because I'm worthy of it. And the worthy piece is so important because, you know, when we've been broken down or we've had experiences like Elizabeth did where she was analyzing everything and, and often beating herself up for choices that she made she didn't feel she was worthy. Right. And that's because too many people let other people steal them of their worth. Whereas we have to recognize just by being alive, you are worthy of that fact. You are worthy Absolutely. of living a proper full life. Absolutely. It's, it's important to not let anyone take that from you. And then, you know, although it's not a primary, she does then also mention something that is an important point for people to understand the search for contentment is not merely a self-preserving and self-benefiting act, but also a generous gift to the world. Clearing out all your misery gets you out of the way. You cease being an obstacle, not only to yourself, but to anyone else. Then if you want, you can help people, you can improve the world, but you first have to help yourself and then you can help the world. And so it's an important um an important point. Well, it's it's the same as if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love anybody else? Right. And we're taught we're taught to be selfless, but by being selfless, we lose ourselves. Exactly. And when we can be selfish, not in a way that's harmful or manipulative to other people, but selfish for our own needs. Mm -hmm. that's when we can then be the best that we can be for everybody we come in contact with. Right. Absolutely. I, I 
completely agree with that. And so then now we, we get through what I consider like one of the most important sections of the book is this, this exploration of happiness and, and what it means and how to get it. Um, she, we, if we, we talked last time, one of the things that was so nice was how she's just K-Tut's friend, right? right. Um, and she says at the moment, the person she's most enjoying is K-Tut, um, one of the happiest humans uh, she's ever encountered. And so they're talking about a meditation and I like this idea, you know, I don't necessarily agree with their exact formulation, but, you know, he meditates and he gets to heaven, he gets to and yeah. heaven is love but then he also talks which is still something i i'm uncertain about that hell is love too right that which is bizarre i do like the idea that heaven and hell are the same destination and so because basically it's like the end of the road right and so it's like well you may as well take the good path there instead of the bad path right, right. so if you think I don't think heaven and hell exist. I think they're metaphors for the end of the road. And, and it's about the journey that you take there. And he says, well, if, if the destinations are the same, you may as well take the good one, right? You right. don't want to work and go through the hell path. You want to take the path to heaven. Um, and that's why some people refer to hell on earth, right? Because right. You're, if, if you're living surrounded by trauma and 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 you're distraught all the time and and whatever negative connotations or terms you want to put into it then really are you living in heaven on earth and so i think that that's what kate tut's referring to again it goes back to the choices we make right and you can choose which path you're going to take right and basically each each moment is a choice and do you want to pursue the the good or not that's right. basically exactly that's basically it but i the, this idea that they end chapter 87 with is yeah so he says hell is love that i don't quite agree with or understand maybe but kate says it's difficult for young people to understand this so um that i i don't quite get how hell would be love but so um, as I someone so some... as someone who's older than you yeah <laughs> Um, and having had certain experiences that I've had, I could, and, and watching people that I've loved, that I love, or who have passed that I loved, and still love, um, have their experiences, I could say that yes, sometimes hell can be love. Because not all bad experiences come from a bad place. Right, and if you don't actually <clears throat> care you're not like if you're indifferent to what's going on, if there's no value at stake, then it's not damaging, right? right? Like it doesn't matter to you. So right. to right. feel like you're in hell, it is with reference to something you did or thought you did value being gone or taken away or harmed Absolutely. or whatever. Exactly. That makes sense. Um, so, okay, so we've, we've discovered the key to happiness and now we're going to start living our life with, Liz, with uh, Elizabeth Gilbert. So she's, she's back at YN's place and they, they talk about how everyone needs sex um, and how like, you know, she, she's, Elizabeth is, is worried. She's been broken too many times and she's very kind of fearful, um, but then we meet Armenia, who is the sexy Brazilian friend. Um, <laughs> and uh, 
and uh, very um, impressive in her professional endeavors as well. And yes. so she gets invited out to a party, which is interesting. And so this is like, again, she seemed, it's, it's like a normal thing. Oh, I'm going to go somewhere, meet people. It's kind of more like her old life, not this being well, in Italy but, or, but in, she, or India. She did struggle with it at first. She did, wasn't sure if she wanted to go. And that's mm -hmm. because she was on this path. And I can understand that because as I was on my journey of getting to wherever I am right now, <clears throat> I, I felt I had to give up certain things to get to where I wanted to go. Mm. And so Elizabeth gave up those things and now she's trying to figure out, how, can I integrate it back into my life? I'm here now on this more spiritual path. Can I integrate that back into my life? Can I be around people who might not be in the same place as I am? And right. so she and was really struggling with that. And that's exactly where I'm at right now, actually, right? Uh, in my personal life, I'm trying to just spend time with friends you know on, on the weekend i went to a friend's place and hung out and just like got out of my own way to just have fun and not be like is this the right amount of fun is this the divine fun i could be like no just yeah. live your life enjoy it and so like that you can kind of see that process coming into play here um and it's interesting and she says i can't remember the last time i got dressed up um right but she and she put on makeup and she said she's exploring parts of her personality that have been long dormant, that she's not like she's flirting and she's flirting and it's going everywhere because she's just having fun and not obsessing over her own experience. Right. Well, um, and it's it's like I always say, let go to let in. If you can let go of whatever you're holding in, holding on to. It's amazing what starts to flow in. Right. And so we see her starting to, and it's also, there's this notion, I think I really struggled with, like she spent a lot of time basically changing her cycle, like her neural network, changing the way she viewed the world. Right. And then you have to kind of like learn to trust yourself again. Cause I, I, when um, I woke up at age 24, I was like, wow, I made mistakes. I don't trust myself right now because I was acting in a way I'm not happy about. And I had to work to interact with the world differently and then learn, oh, I can trust myself. I don't have to double think everything because I'm more confident now that I'm doing things the right way. Do you believe that it's, I mean, I, I have, I struggle with the word changing because I don't believe that we're changing ourselves. I believe that we're going back to our authentic selves. And so I, mean, I don't believe, that, yeah. I don't I don't necessarily agree that Elizabeth has changed. I believe that she's let go of what she's been taught and told she's supposed to be. And um, she was that thing, right? Right. Like, but she's she so it's I the... I prefer to call it going back to. As opposed yeah, but to most people, then I'd say, no, well, I, I don't necessarily agree because I think we create ourselves. We choose who we want to be. We create our soul. Mm -hmm. And so like, so, and most people never have known that deepest part that maybe is like, you know, so it's not going back for many people. It's discovering it for the first time, but it's more so creating it. You have to like, the, the nugget that you're talking about that is your deepest self 
like it doesn't have many traits. You have to choose what traits to give to it to manifest it fully, right? Okay. That's my view of it. Because what are you if not your actions, right? You well, that's why I said you're going back to your authentic self. Your authentic self is what helps you to make those to make those choices to discover who you are. On a, on a, your authentic self is what you are deep inside. Who right. I don't want to get too into this because I, okay. I think there's more. I think it's more complicated. I understand and I agree with your premise, but I think it's just more complicated than you're letting it seem. Okay. Like in terms of what the process actually is, right? All right. In my view. Um, moving on. Moving on. So we meet Philippe, who's a <coughs> Brazilian man. Um, who's older than her. Who's older than her. Much older and than her. She, she, she says it's been so long since she went dancing. I just want to highlight how she also says she'll never be a vegetarian if food this good exists, which I think is also good to realize that like life is about enjoyment. And so if you enjoy meat, like that's okay, that's acceptable. Um, so I just wanted to add that in. Um, <laughs> it's interesting because I've, I've dappled with being vegan, sort of vegetarian and stuff like that. And I've gone back to eating meat and I've slowly been integrating more kinds of meat back into my diet. Me too. Yeah. Because yeah, but I think very much people have this idea and this was my experience of, okay, I'm on this more typical spiritual journey. And then it's like, oh, the connection of everything, don't harm anything, don't harm animals. And it's like, no, but like my spiritual journey is about my enjoyment and like, and you know, there's you. We're not going to get into the complex views of animals and and what do they Absolutely. feel or think. Yeah, or don't go there. But yeah. it's about you know, I want to enjoy and have the fullest life I can have. Right. Um. And so she says it's been so long since she went dancing. Then she meets this guy Ian, mm -hmm. and she's you know interested in this guy Ian. But then it doesn't end up uh, working out, and um, she ends up talking with Philippe. And Philippe is, you know, they've been flirting a little bit. He's this older gentleman. And he says that she's young and beautiful and you're gonna have a wonderful few months here in Bali. Um, and so can I just interject here? Mm -hmm. He says she's young and beautiful. And then when she gets home, she actually asks herself, am I young and beautiful? I thought I was old and divorced. And so this has gotten into her head because she's now has to, she's starting to look at herself through different eyes. Right. And, or through a broader spectrum, I'll say, rather than different eyes. And so, you know, as an older woman, I think that most older women go through this where they start to question. I mean, Elizabeth's only in her thirties. I'm much older than that, but um, I know that as I started to go through different stages, you know, into in my 30s, when I first discovered my first wrinkles, and I was 30 years old, or my laugh lines, um, you know, and, you know, and then when I went through my divorce, you start to, it's like you're re rediscovering yourself. And so she's now, she had gone so into herself, this is the first time she's letting herself out again. Mm -hmm. And so she has to really now go on another path to really discover who she is as this older divorced woman. Right. And, and that's what I really want to highlight. And I think it's so nice here. We see like 
okay, she, she's just worked on herself for eight months. She's creating this or finding herself or whatever it is. And then it's like, okay, now let's, let, let's put that person into the real world for, for a second. Right. right. And that like, it's a whole other step and you see, yeah. Am I young and beautiful chapter 90? She, her anxiety returns. Right. right. So she's felt very calm and settled. We were just talking about how she's blissed out. She's like never been so peaceful but then you interact with other humans. You interact with other people in a more normal way and, and, and they have their agendas, they have their goals and it gets and, in. And you start hearing what they are, how they are seeing you, right? right? Because he said, she's young and beautiful. She says, am I young and beautiful? I thought I was old and divorced. I can barely sleep at all this night. So unaccustomed to these odd hours, the dance music still thrumming in my head my hair smelling of cigarettes, my stomach protesting the alcohol. I doze a bit, then wake as the sun comes up, just as I am accustomed to. Only this morning, I'm not rested and I'm not at peace and I'm in no condition whatsoever for meditation. So it's almost like she went 40 steps forward or eight months forward and she's now gone back to where she started. Well, no, I definitely disagree with that. <laughs> I definitely disagree with that framing. Right. I think it's like no, I'm putting it in a broad spectrum. No, but I, I think it's no that even having done all of this growth, it's OK to have these moments. It's OK. to Absolutely. Have this, this day like this and this. But she's not giving herself permission yet to have them. She's having anxiety because she's having them. She right. Hasn't... But I think she's more so having anxiety, not about any of that stuff, but just about men. Right. right. And I want to highlight that. For me, having been very anxious about everything, anxiety about women was 10 times worse than on any of the other anxiety. And so, and it's a whole, it's the thing that like you can't test on your own, right? The emotional response, the emotional attachment and stuff that no matter how long you meditate in a cave, you can't figure out how to deal with the emotions you'll have when you're interacting with someone you're attracted to again, right? Like that is inherently in relation to their, their specific person, right? And she highlighted, and she actually capitalized the word men. And she said, the agitation gets more jagged at the thought of that word, turning right. into a minor panic assailment. I don't know how to do this anymore. Right. And then she, she it, it quickly spirals for her. Right. David, her husband, Richard. That's right? why I'm saying that she's almost going backwards. Right. But I, that's the, I, I have to push back. That's the worst way to frame it because <laughs> that is the problem. If you view it that way, if she views it that way, then you get stuck and that's what keeps it in place, right? You have to say, oh, I'm not going backwards. This is just happening, right? Right, but she's not there yet. This. This but you're not helping with your approach. <laughs> you're just going to keep her there. Well, no, she does get there again. But right now she's in that moment. I've been in that moment where I feel like I'm back there, David. Right now she's in that moment. She's back in that place. I'm not saying she's going to stay there forever. It, I mean, how I started to allow myself to get to that place, go to that place and then get out of it was to say, you know what? It's okay. I'm human. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing. It's the human condition. What is? Going to that place sometimes, no matter how far we move forward, sometimes we take some steps back. 
Right. Okay. Yes. We're not perfect in right. that sense, but Absolutely. I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't label that the human condition. I would label <laughs> that he's been badly trained for 30 years. And so eight months isn't going to magic it all away, but that's not the human condition. <laughs> okay. I want to emphasize, I don't buy into this idea that, oh, we're all like broken humans type thing. Oh, I don't believe that either. Okay. <laughs> um okay but then so she's had this party night with um philippe and with others she doesn't know how to do this anymore and so this is kind of like let's call it the a story of indonesia is this and then then we get in chapter 91 introduced to the b story which is yan needs a new place right so yan doesn't make that much money she lives in her shop with we now meet her two adopted daughters as well, big K-Tut and little K-Tut. And so <laughs> here's um, Yan with three daughters and she needs a new place. And- um, Well, because they're raising her rent, right? And this is the thing. That's why she's had to move so often because they, she gets established somewhere and then they raise her rent or for whatever reason, she can't keep living there. So she's almost like a nomad. Right. And so- Liz decides that she wants to help them, right? Um, and there's this really like, like very cute and moving uh, scene with like Tutti carrying around this tile, right? And like praying, like she wants to build a house around her, right? And she sits on this tile, imagining she has her own home and these kinds of things. And the tile is, and the floor is blue like the tile. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, now we jump back a bit, jumping back, uh, we didn't talk about this, but when, when Liz and Wyan first met, Liz didn't know it overcame her, but she looked at Wyan in the face and held her hands and said, like, the hardest part of your life is over, right? And so Liz is very moved and she gets this sort of feeling that overtakes her and she, she leaves uh, after this conversation. And now in chapter 92, um, so I'll just quote from here because there's this idea of a pipeline for God, right? Um, so Wyan once told me that sometimes when she's healing her patients, she becomes an open pipeline for God's love and she ceases even thinking about what needs to be done next. The intellect stops, the intuition rises, and all she has to do is permit her godness to flow through her. It feels like the wind comes and takes my hand. And Liz says, this is how she feels when she's going to send this email to her friends. And again, I want to reiterate that for me, what this means, like we've talked about, um, you know, like the, the feeling of joy is what God is, is what people are praying to, what Liz, what Liz is aiming at. And for me, this is the idea of what it means to be in flow or to be mindful is when you're totally I don't, I don't believe in the idea of intuition, but you're just so in tune with yourself and with your highest values, with everything you want, that it's almost automatic. It feels like you're just being carried by yourself almost or by some higher thing. But for me, it's your deepest self more than anything else. Uh -huh. and, I, and it's such a profound thing when you're doing something that you care about, that you know to be good. And it's so powerful um, that she has this pipeline and then what she decides is she's going to try and help Wyan, right? And she sends this email to a bunch of her friends um, 
that she says, you know, she has never been happier in her life. She doesn't need anything, but uh, you know, if she was in New York, they'd have they'd have because a party. Because it was her birthday. Her birthday yeah, was her coming. Her birthday's coming up, and if she if she was in New York, you know, they'd all have to spend money going out, buying her presents. She doesn't want that. Yes, there's suffering in the world, but here is someone she cares about that she knows is suffering. Will these people help help this person? Um, and um, and I really like that sentiment as well. It reminds me actually of an episode I really like from House called uh, it's it's called one room and and it's about like you know who our life is made up of the people we meet the people we know the people we care about and so yeah it doesn't matter that there's other Balinese people suffering or there's other suffering in the world for Liz this is someone she values now someone she's in the room with that she cares about and and that makes it worth help that makes YN worth helping it's not some you know utilitarian view of well like there's everyone's suffering let's just help people over there it's like no i'm allowed to help and care about the people in my life mm -hmm. and so all of this is just really powerful and I, I i saw you were getting very emotional about this pipeline and this flow and so why why did that make why does that make you emotional in this kind of section I've always believed that random acts of kindness cost us nothing and make us fulfill us. And you read about all these people that give lots of money, these philanthropists, whatever it may be, but every day we have the ability to make a difference in somebody's life. And so it's just a beautiful story to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of one of my favorite memories is, you know, I'm just a very I try and be a very nice and caring person in my day to day life, my day to day interactions. And I'll vividly I'll forever vividly remember this one experience. I think I was at uh, Yorkdale Mall in Toronto and I went to the bakery to buy something and it was, you know, a young girl working behind the counter. And I asked just like, oh, how are you today? How are you doing today? And like, her, she was like, it changed her whole day. Like, Absolutely. She was so happy that someone actually, and I actually cared. It wasn't just, hey, how's it going? Like, I often say, hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Oh, so how's your day going? I ask again, and people are like caught off guard. But like, how much it meant to that woman, that girl in this scenario, I'll always remember. It was like, very powerful. You know, most people aren't used to, it's unfortunate, but I won't say most, many people are not used to people being nice to them. Mm -hmm. And we work in, a, we work, I work in a long-term care home, David, now, you know yeah. that. And there was someone whose father was palliative. And I was walking in the hall and I saw her, she was coming out of the area where her father's room is. And she looked at me and before that I had had a brief experience with her helping her with her kids to go in and visit their grandpa. And she walked by me and it was outside the manager's offices and she was crying and she looked at me and she just started crying very heavily. And I asked her if she wanted a hug. And she said to me, oh, we can't, you'll get in trouble because of COVID, right? We're not supposed to. And I said, you know what? I don't care. And 
and I hugged her and we held each other and she was crying and sobbing. And at that point, I was able to give her something that she, it, it didn't cost me anything, but it gave her a sense of comfort. And later we were talking more. And after her father passed, she sent me a text message because we had exchanged phone numbers. And she thanked me for my kindness in that text message. Mm -hmm. And if we can impact and, and, and just touch people, if everybody could make the effort to do something like that, not necessarily someone whose father's dying, but like, I'm not saying it's going to be that exact experience, whether it's asking somebody, you know, to be if how their day's going, such a small random act of kindness. Every day, if, if every person could do one, one, every single day, the change they would feel within themselves would be huge, but the change in the world would be huge. Yeah, well, I just I I do want to contrast though that uh, one thing that this book has really emphasized is that it starts with yourself, right? Like you have to give yourself those daily acts of kindness, and people absolutely people aren't good at that. And to focus on giving it to others first, I think is is misguided because you won't be able to unless you can consistently give it to yourself. So let me rephrase: no, every I, I day, start giving it to yourself. Yeah. So then you'll be able to give it to others. But I, again, it's not so then. It's, it's if you want. And then. And then and it just if naturally. You, want to, you can give it to others. I know, but. It's not the, the kindness. The kindness piece, I firmly believe, and this is my belief, you're not necessarily going to agree with it, and that's okay, that kindness is lacking in the world. I agree. Elizabeth did a beautiful thing for YN. Yes. She reached out and she said, it's my birthday. I don't care about my birthday. This is what I want people to do. Yes. And by doing that, she's showing, she, she's indirectly even showing them. You know, I was thinking about the world selfless, right? Because we talk about selfless versus selfish. Yeah. You can be selfless. Here, Elizabeth was being selfless. She was no, saying- she was not being selfless. She was saying, here's someone I care about deeply. So I want you to help them because it will matter to me. She cares about Wyan. It's selfish in a good sense, in my view. Hmm. And that's why I contrasted. She says, okay, I know there's lots of people struggling in the world. There's lots of causes you could donate, but here's someone who's become my family. I care about this lady and I want her life to be better. I want her life to be better. It's, she didn't pick some random Balinese woman she doesn't know, right? That's, and, I'm, and she wouldn't have been able to be in this place to do this thing if she hadn't worked on developing herself over all of this time. That's the way I view it. And that's the contrast for me, right? That's, the, that's why I'm sort of half disagreeing with you. Okay, so to your point then about being in Yorkdale and asking the person in the bakery <clears throat> how her day was going, mm. were you not able to do that before you rediscovered yourself? No, I didn't do those things because I was just stuck in my head. Oh, my life's miserable. My, like, I needed to be, oh, like, life's good. Like, I'm happy. I have, I'm fulfilled. Oh, I wonder how you're doing, right? Like, 
I want my interactions to be positive. I like, like, why would I help homeless people? Why would I help these people? Because I want to live in a certain kind of world. I don't feel I owe them anything, Mm -hmm. but I want my world to be a place where there aren't homeless people. I don't want there to be homeless people in my city, in my world. So I would help them. Right. But that's not the same as feeling I have to help them or it's a duty or I'll feel get fulfillment from helping them. Right. No, when I'm fulfilled, then I'll be able to choose and I'll be able to more fully help them. That's that's the way I think of it. Okay. Um, But back on (laughs) Elizabeth's uh, helping. Um, I want to highlight one thing, like even all the way at chapter, because I'm just, I'm just fascinated by the time frame of the book. And so even in chapter 92, there's still three months left in, uh, in the, in her journey. So we have like a lot to get through in the next uh, few chapters in terms of, again, it seems like the, the, the sections are structured a certain way, but anyway. So, so this- if I can just, because there's a, part that really touches on what you just said about helping people. Yeah. Tutti in Italian means everybody. So in the, in her letter, she had talked about- I was going to get there. Oh, let me do this one. Go ahead. (laughs) Because she shares that it's about Tutti and the two little girls also in the letter, right? So Tutti in Italian means everybody. How had I not realized that earlier? After all those months in Rome, I didn't, just didn't see the connection. So it was Bob over in Utah who had to point it out to me. He did so in an email last week saying along with his pledge to donate towards the new house. So that's the final lesson, isn't it? When you set out in the world to help yourself, you inevitably end up helping Tootie. Right. And that I wanted to highlight because I think that captures my point is when you you have to aim at helping yourself and you will then end up helping many, many people, but it's, it's a secondary benefit, right? Right. Um, and I do want to highlight, like, this is a good example of the generosity of people. She raises $18,000 for this person. And it makes me think there was recently a fundraiser through Humans of New York on Facebook for this lady who people were fascinated by who, like, I think she fell and broke her hip and she needed long-term care and they raised like a million dollars for her, right? Because people do are generous. People do care about people. And I think that is something we need to remember. Well, it's like when you see all those GoFundMe pages, right? People get injured or hurt and people just raise like a lot of money and GoFundMe pages, right? Yeah. And so now we're, now we're going back to the A story, let's call it, which is about Philippe. Now it goes from men generally to Philippe. And so she's seeing Philippe every night and he asks very calmly, um, you know, why don't you take me as a lover? Um, But before that, um, oh no. So yeah, I think, um, and she says she just doesn't feel like she's ready for it. Um, that romance is um, like it tosses you around, right? Like it, it throws you and she um, it, it's so much, so much to open up. Um, and she's been broken and hurt for so long that she wants to like, she, she wants to make sure she's whole before she's ex- exposing herself like that again. Um, 
and she's less confident about this stuff than she used to be. And Philippe says that makes sense. When everyone's young, they are confident because they don't know anything. But it makes <laughs> sense to be, um, you know, wary. And it shows she's kind of taking herself and her and this aspect of her life more seriously, which right. is really important. Um, and yeah, he says, why don't you take a lover just generally? And, you know, she says, he didn't just mean himself, but I think he'd be willing to take that job. <laughs> um, yeah, and and so it's it's really interesting. Um, it's well, and she talks about it getting yeah. com she talks about it getting complicated, right? So she's yeah. fearful of the of it becoming complicated, and she says, "And love is always complicated, but still humans must try to love each other. We must get our hearts broken sometimes. This is a good sign, right?" And that's Philip, Philip telling her, yes, it is complicated, you know. And I also think she says it was broken so badly that it still hurts. Isn't that crazy? And he says, I'm Brazilian. I can keep a broken heart going for 10 years over a woman I've never even kissed. <laughs> think, like this is something I really struggled with because people had a tendency to tell me to get over it. And it's like, no, it's okay if it takes years to mend a broken heart right it's a really hard thing it's a really important thing um and so i really like the tone of their conversation um and then they talk about how they've just it it, it captures very clearly in this chapter 93 that they just talk about everything they get to know each other um very well and the word i wrote and highlighted here well i wrote two words rebuilding and reconciliation and so it really feels like that is what Liz has been doing. She's been reconciling with herself and rebuilding um, herself. And, right. and now it's like, okay, where do I go from here? And then- But if I may, I love, I love when he said to her, but still humans must try to love each other, darling. We must get our hearts broken sometimes. This is a good sign having a broken heart. It means we have tried for something. And it doesn't necessarily mean even just a relationship with someone that you're attracted to. It could be, you know, whether it's your passion and your, you know, your passion is running a race and you, you run the race, but you don't win, right? You might have disappointment, a broken heart around that, but at least you tried, you know, it's about going and doing, taking the steps and not being afraid of it not working, being proud of the fact that you tried that you made right. the effort. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. And I really like that sentiment, especially around love because I have a fear of rejection still. I'm really, I'm really sensitive to those emotions and to really emphasize that, no, they're positive things, right? It means you did care deeply about something. Absolutely. Um, and you were able to, you had that capability. That's a beautiful thing. And then, you know, this chapter ends with, uh, twice now dropping me off in front of my house and saying good night he's reached across to give me a good night kiss and twice i've done the same thing allowing myself to be pulled into him but then ducking my head at the last moment mm -hmm. tucking my cheap cheek up against his chest there i let him hold me for a while and you know she says she describes what that experience was like and it feels like hiding but it's also not hiding it's she's letting herself be held, right? And like, that's such an emotional thing as well, such an intimate thing as well. 
And she says and, it's not and, for a long and, time. And it's vulnerable. She's yeah. allowing herself to be vulnerable. And this is a thing that, you know, where the confusion comes. Intimacy is different than having sex. And, you know, in, as, in teens and 20s, you know, you don't think about it because it's, it's all the endorphins and it's all the stuff that's making it physical, right? And, and when you are able to get to that point where she can duck her head and she's finally just letting herself be held, that is the ultimate invulnerability. Right, and I think that's really nice. And, it, and I have highlighted for a later chapter uh, like specific, I have a lot to say on this sort of this idea and this this notion of like sex as like spiritual and physical. Mm -hmm. And so it's and so it's she's letting herself feel spiritually close to him rather than the the tradition, especially in, in my age demographic, is just do the physical stuff, right? Right. Um, but so now we get to chapter ninety four, which is let's call it the sea story. Um, so this is interesting. I've never viewed it this way, but it's like, there's so much going on because she's just living her life and she's trying to expose us to like different parts of it. So now in 94, we're back hanging out with K-Tut and this is <laughs> funny, uh, funny. Well, there's one part that's really funny and one part that's, I think, quite moving. Um, we, she, she finds out that K-Tut has only ever slept with his one wife, who's not Neomo, who's the wife we met earlier. And she asks why K-Tut's not slept with Neomo ever. And her and him find it hilarious because he's just so old that of course he's not sleeping with it. And we find a bit more about how Neomo is actually his wife's brother who's just taking care his of- His brother's him. wife, his brother's wife. His brother's wife, yeah. Um, but then they talk about uh, him missing his wife, but it's okay because he visits her in meditation which is really profound, really beautiful. Deep. They're like, yeah, this is someone I care about so much that, you know, when I'm with myself, I can call their memory and still be mm -hmm. with them, right? And I think that's really nice. Um, and so we get to chapter 95 and she finally tells uh, Yan about, uh, about the money um, which just like Wyan freaks out, right? Like this money comes out of nowhere. It's like magic basically. And she, they, they start planning and they're, the whole chapter is just kind of about the logistics of it and explaining it. And uh, big and little K-Tut get fearful because it's like, what is going on, right? And there's this idea of, they have no idea how this um, um, like magic, right? How this happened, but it's, it's, um, it's interesting. I don't have much to say on that chapter. I just wanted to highlight like that's what uh, happens there. And then I have a well, lot. And, and, you know, it's it's there's not a lot, but it's the simplicity, the beauty in the simplicity. There's simple ideas around it. It's not complicated. Right. They just look at life so simplistically in such a beautiful way. Um, and so then we get to the last chapter of this episode. And so and, and then it'll be our last episode uh, for the remainder. But I have a lot of notes because I think, again, this is basically, I really like the way this was presented and I'm only realizing it now. The, the word I have highlighted here for is application, right? So we were learning, Liz was learning theory for eight months, right? How do I want to be with myself? How do I want to be devotional with my deepest self or with God? And now how do I apply these in life, right? And so 
our first foray into it was, okay, I'm going to go into a social setting and meet people, interact with people broadly. And now, okay, now I'm going to hang out with one person I care about. And what does that look like? And so it's learning how to apply all of these things we've been learning in the past 280 pages. And so in chapter 96, she goes out with Philippe again. Um, and she takes him to meet her friends. They go to the beach. They talk for 10 hours, right? And so they're just really starting to enjoy each other's company. Um, and it sounds like a great time, actually. Like, I would love to have a day like this, um, like they had with one another, right? Um, and uh, one thing I want, there's a lot I want to highlight here. So feel free to jump in at any point. Um, <laughs> I'm enjoying listening to your passion. <laughs> um, and so there's two things at the start. One is uh, she likes everything about the way this was happening, right? So he asks her very casually when they just had a great full day together, should we have an affair together? What do you think? Right. And he's just open about it. Like, I would like to sleep with you. Right. Like, this is you matter to me. I care about you. I'd like to do this. Um, and she says there, uh, there's something so honest about the situation. But then, you know, we get into her prior thought process before she left on her journey. I thought about if she wanted to remain celibate and she talked about to her therapist, what if I meet someone I really like? What should I do? Should I get together with them or not? Should I maintain my autonomy? Should I let myself uh, have the romance? And her therapist replied, you know, all of this can be discussed at the time the issue actually arises with the person in question. Because that is true, right? People think they need to have this sort of answer, these sorts of things figured out. But part of what it really means to be intimate with someone is to let them into your world, your thought process. Hey, Philippe, this is how I'm thinking about you right now because of everything I've been through, everything I'm working on. Mm -hmm. um, and so she says, this is what she actually does. And I want to quote from this actual uh, section because she says, um, as much as I might enjoy to have my body and heart folded and unfolded for a while in the expert hands of an expat lover, Something else inside me has put in a serious request that I donate the entirety of this year to tra of traveling all to myself. That some vital transformation is happening in my life and this transformation needs time and room in order to finish its process undisturbed. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanna highlight a few things. I think that sex should be discussed in this way, right? I think this is the proper way to discuss it. And it's unfortunate that so few people do. She highlights that it's her body and heart. It's both that are involved, both that are impacted and both in a proper sexual relationship, both that she's giving to someone to have control over, right? And I think a lot of people don't understand that that's the value of it is that I am opening myself up to be in someone else's control and trusting that they will handle me with love, with care. With um, respect, with respect. With respect. And, and, and that's why it's so scary is because it lets yourself be folded and unfolded. It's a loss of control. And, you know, maybe she's worried she, she won't be able to get it back or whatever it is, but I think. Well, she is, a, she is afraid because she says, 
you know, she uses the analogy of a cake. I'm not going to share that, but she says, I don't want to cheat myself out of this precious, precious time. I don't want to lose control of my life again. She is so afraid of losing control again that she's, as much as she's allowing herself to become vulnerable, she's still holding back a piece of herself. Yeah, and, and, <clears throat> and then he says he understands, but he ha she has to let him make his case. And I really like that as well, because it's not that he's pressuring her. It's that, you know, he is he has his perspective on the world. This is a shared experience they're discussing, a value to both of them. And he's allowed to say, well, here's my view of it. Like, we clearly have some sort of relationship with one another. And let me make my case. Um, right. And... He says, I understand that this whole year is about your search for balance between devotion and pleasure. I can see where you've been doing a lot of devotional practices, but I'm not sure where the pleasure has come in so far. And he <laughs> says, pasta Liz. Um, well, she tells him she ate pasta in, in Italy. That was her right. pleasure. <laughs> and I want to say again, she talks about body and heart. He talks about devotion and pleasure. And this is like, there's five stars on my page because this is a huge emphasis in Ayn Rand and objectivism and why sex is like the most important, like is such a huge value for people because it's all about that there is no disconnect between the, the soul and the body or the mind and the body or the heart and the body as they're talking about it here. And that sex is the one act that is a, the, the ultimate union of both. It's the spiritual and the material in, and the physical in that act. And like, to me, like I just said, like that's balance, right? That is that moment of joy, of spiritual and physical joy. That's a moment of supreme balance, right? And I really like the way they're talking about it here. Um, and I just wanted to highlight that because I think it's so important. Um, and then you know, he says, okay, what pleasure in Bali? And we talked about, okay, it's not pasta, Liz, it doesn't count as pleasure. <laughs> I think I know what you're worried about. Some man is going to come into your life and take everything from you again. I won't do that to you, darling. I've been alone for a long time too. And I've lost a great deal in love, just like you have. I don't want us to take anything from each other. Right? Um, and I think that's so important is that so many people in their relationships, there's this idea of, yeah, you have to give something up to your partner or you lose part of yourself. And it's no, like we want to be complete together. We want to complete um, next to each other. And he says, all of the reasons you gave a few weeks ago when they first met as to why he, she doesn't want to love her, um, He's already, he's already been exposed to all of this. He's seen her body. He knows she doesn't care if she shaves her legs. He already knows his life story, right? She, he already knows her life story. Um, and she says, Philippe, that's the most appealing and romantic offer a man has ever made me. And he's just so sincere and honest about his desire for her, right? Which I think is really powerful and something that also, you know, it seems like on, men aren't allowed men were never as far as I understand good at expressing it properly or in this way but now I think many men are fearful of that as well and it's so it's so refreshing to see just an honest deep conversation like this 
Uh, what I think is so beautiful is that they're acknowledging to each other that their individual, who they are as individuals is beautiful and, and they are gracefully accepting it. And then they are acknowledging that they don't have to lose it to be together, that together it will make it even more powerful. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think then, then we shift. So she's just had this experience with him and understanding, okay, here's someone who is a candidate, let's say, or something. It's making her think of these ideas for the first time in a while to honestly consider it because she'd been celibate for a year and a half. And then she, like, she leaves, she, um, she says no, and she goes inside and we get, you know, two pages of her now reflecting on this, right? Or one page of her reflecting on this. And she says how she's always fallen in love fast, right? And I think that's very much sort of the culture we live in right now is like, it's that romantic, like, uh, well, you think, you, you know, love at first sight, soulmate, there's all these things that we're told, right? Well, and I also think it comes from, again, if you're empty, you want to chase someone that can fill you up, right? And Absolutely. there's this kind of need. But there's a couple things I wanted to highlight. One, which I think is really important. Uh, I have always fallen in love fast and without measuring risks. I have a tendency not only to see the best in everyone, but to assume that everyone is emotionally capable of reaching his highest potential. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important is not everyone is committed to reaching their highest potential, right? And so it's like, yeah, you can give people the benefit of the doubt, but you have to really be aware of what they're actually aiming at and this sort of thing. She yeah. married young and quick from a place of love and hope but without a lot of discussion over what the realities of marriage would be. And she talks here about how, you know, historically the father would have had like more so ownership over his daughter. And he would have asked questions of, okay, what are your, what, like there's the stereotype of like, what are your intentions for my daughter and this sort of thing. But she said, she's very happy. That's not the case, but she never thought she had to play that role for herself. Right. She had, right. She has to not only be her own, uh, her own advocate. She has to be her own advocate. Um, she has to be her own father, just like she had to become her own husband. She has to fill all of those roles for herself to take responsibility for this thing. Um, and she and also, if I may, she also said that she tends to be overly optimistic. Yeah. So she's fearful. I think she's fearful of that optimism that she always has because in the past it has not always served her well. Right. And I think, uh, I mean, I still think it's important to be optimistic, but maybe Absolutely. she's naive. Well, you have to be optimistic, but there has to be, yes, there's the naivety that goes in with it. And I think part of that is, is, is youthful is being, is the age um, and then there's also, you know, you have to be realistic as well. So the reality, the being realistic, does, it doesn't take away from your, it should never take away from your optimism, but it helps you be more grounded in how you view it. Right. And, and I think one thing that she says here, if I am truly, if I am to truly become an autonomous woman, then I must take over that role of being my own guardian. 
Famously, Gloria Steinem once advised women that they should strive to become like the men they had always wanted to marry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, a really powerful quote that I like is it's something along the lines of, I once asked my father how I find the right woman. And the father, my father replied, don't worry about finding the right woman. Focus on being the right man. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, that's been exploring and being able to give myself the things that I would have wanted from a significant other, more of that loving kindness and these sorts of things. And, and so I don't need it from someone else. And, it, and it's so much more, that much more valuable there. Um, and so she says, so that's why she's glad of her decision that she went to bed alone that night. Right. And she, but then that being said, she has, you know, a couple blurbs about how she woke up and she just was real Randy and she tried to eat (laughs) fried potatoes and it didn't help. And so a a pound of potatoes, that's a lot of potatoes. (laughs) Yeah. So she ate potatoes to try and satisfy her urge and her body said, nope. And so she She has what she did what she needed to do. Yeah. She has a brief aside about, uh, yeah, giving herself what she needed. Yeah. Um, but she notes that out of all of her typical fantasies, none of them worked. And the only one that worked was thinking about Philippe, um, which is interesting as well. And again, it's that the spirit, like she's not just turned on by some physicality that she can project. It's, it's the experience she just had with him that's making her uh, be horny it, or whatever, right? It's becoming the whole. It's becoming right. the whole, not just the physical piece. And then, then I slept. I woke to a quiet blue sky and an even quieter bedroom. I, she then does the Gurugita. Then I meditated for an hour of bone tingling stillness until I finally felt it again. That specific, constant, clear sky, unrelated to anything, never shifting, nameless and changeless perfection of my own happiness. Mm-hmm. The happiness, which is better truly than anything I've ever experienced anywhere else on this earth. I was so glad I had made the decision to stay alone. And so again, we get back to this profound happiness. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's interesting because this is my experience as well. It's, she has that as a baseline now and you have to kind of enter into the world. Let like, it's like reacclimatizing yourself. Right. So she's had this interaction, but she wants to get back to that stillness, that perfection, that perfection of my own happiness. It's such a powerful thing. Um, And I think it's a great place for us to be at right now. Right. We have our last section of Indonesia. She's now has a gentleman she's interested in. She's made friends on the island. um, And she's still in this place of having this perfection of her own happiness. Um, And and. She was able to go through her few questionable periods where she was questioning herself or questioning what was going on. And she was able to come out of them more quickly. Right. And they weren't debilitating the way they had been in the past. Right. And And I I think think that's really important. Yeah. And we talked about like the pendulum swinging or the, you know, the enlightenment path and how the, the, how far you stray gets narrower and narrower and, and yeah, it's really good, but it's important to notice. And this is something I've, again, personally really struggled with is to Mm -hmm. 
the more people I interact with, the more I'm interacting with like the real world, let's call it, or the world as it exists, the more I can get sucked into that, that worry or their mindset or whatever. And I have to learn, okay, how do I, how do I come back to myself? How do I balance myself? And so I think I'm, I'm very, we were, I, I, I don't know how you, about you, but I was kind of uninterested at the end of our last episode, but now I'm like very much looking forward to the conclusion of this story. There's kind of the A story and the B story, like Wyan and Philippe. And I don't remember exactly how they each uh, interact, but I'm, I'm very excited to see how this wraps up and, and to get come to the conclusions uh, with her, because I do think she's at a point of like that, that happiness, that, that personal happiness she's feeling, that is the thing she was praying for, the thing she was aiming at in India. And so to be able to maintain that while, you know, going to the beach and living her life and meeting friends and, you know, that kind of thing, that's the start of, of the balance, right? Right. Yes. Any last thoughts? It's been a bit emotional for me just because of my own journey and listening to it and talking about it. Um, I think that when I read the book initially, I probably wasn't ready to look at it, um, this section in this way. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, thank you. Yeah, no problem. And yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. Like we said at the start, like I've read this six times or something and it was only the last time I read it that I started to be interested in Indonesia Yeah. because before it was like, okay, I can do, I get Italy, I can get doing whatever I want. Uh, and I, I can get India. I can get just like really diving into that, the, the devotional practices, but I, I've only now started to try to live a normal life, let's say. Yeah. Great. Well, I look forward to our, our last, uh, our last episode on the actual book, and then we'll probably do a wrap up as well. But uh, I look forward to our last 12 chapters. Yep. Thank you.